0: Tamsin, a very warm welcome to Elda's podcast series. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, thank you. I'm so glad we're able to connect.
0: Tamsin, I've been following you for a really long time now on LinkedIn and all the other social media platforms that you're you know, uh, inspiring, amazing in terms of educating so many women about menopause and midlife. I would like to take the opportunity of understanding, you know, how your journey from a news anchor in Florida to your travel to Afghanistan, And actually the menopause talk happened. So if you can quickly tell us, you know, what this interesting journey was all about and how did you really think about becoming the spokesperson for menopause?
1: Yeah, um, I didn't, I didn't think about it. You know, I've been a a journalist for Mm -hmm. the better part of 20 plus years and, um, and done a lot of traveling and moved to a lot of different cities. And I'm here in New York city now. And I had an, um, you know, I had, I guess, a lot of the symptoms of perimenopause, but I had no idea what I was dealing with. I was dealing with hot flashes, night sweats, weight gain, uh, lack of lib- uh, libido, you know, just feeling a lot of brain fog. And one particular Friday night, I was on the air and I was looking at the um, the words scrolling the teleprompter in front of me with the news stories. And I couldn't, I saw the words, but I couldn't make them out anymore. Like I couldn't remember what they were. And uh I felt my heart racing, I felt like that anxiety, then the hot flash started, and i knew, I knew it was coming um but I never really classified it as a hot flash and in fact, when I used to I had a makeup artist and she'd say, "Do you have a fever? You're so hot all the time. I'm always so hot and um I remember a co a coworker helped me get off of the set, and I went and I just like kind of collapsed on the bathroom floor and I, I thought, am I having a heart attack? Like, I didn't know what was going on with me, but Because all of those things happened at the same time, um, I couldn't really identify what that was. Um, And then it's since come to learn the 34-plus symptoms of menopause and the effects and then 34-plus-plus symptoms. And um, I went from uh, one doctor to another. It wasn't anything I'd ever talked about with my mother. My mother uh, died of breast cancer when I was 20 years old. So it was never a conversation we had had. Um, Though in looking back, I realized that she went through a um, medically induced menopause as a result of um, having uh, two mastectomies uh, due to breast cancer. Um, But I started going doctor to doctor. And then I realized uh, one doctor finally said to me after some blood work was done, in menopause, any questions. And at that point I was essentially postmenopausal because I had, I had never really realized I had skipped periods because I have, um, uh, endometrium polyps, So I was bleeding on and off all the time. And so I never went 12 months without a period. And, um, you know, and I started really getting into like what, what this was, like, what was this story in my life that I had never reported on, never talked about, never heard mentioned, uh, on television. And, um, and I started talking about it a little more openly and then I started interviewing people on my podcast and I created a podcast so I could talk to people about it. I, that was why I did that. And, um, mm-hmm. and then to this day, you know, I think our voices have gotten louder and louder, you know, so I never set out to be certainly the, the, a poster girl for, for menopause, but I couldn't be uh, any more proud of what I've seen happen in the course of maybe 18 months, two short years of this conversation um, popping up everywhere. Even last night in the Super Bowl here, <laughs> where there was a commercial about hot flashes, yeah, Right. which was really cool to see. <laughs> um, so that's kind of my story and where I am today. And, uh, you know, I, I, learn more every single day. I meet more and more incredible women every single day. Um, I'm working on a, um, I'm working on a a film about it. And, uh, you know, I think it's a really important conversation to have, especially in the workplace for women.
0: Absolutely, thamsin And I feel like, you know, this topic has been ignored for years. I think our when our, our mothers were going through it, I mean, I don't know what support yeah. they had, but it wasn't even normal to talk about some mm-hmm. of the symptoms. You know, people like you and me are having conversations at work, at home, sensitizing people, you know, around us, families, as well as friends and colleagues. Uh, uh, the biggest challenge that we face in India is the fact that you know, as women, we try to become sure. superpowers, right? We want to do it all and showing vulnerability uh, to a large extent. I think it's not just about India, but globally, the fact that the woman tries to multitask at all times. Um, what have your experiences been with the you know, thousands, if not more women that you've interacted with? in your course. Yeah. I I mean, it's the same thing here. You
1: know, I I think that you don't want to go into work and, and say, Oh gosh, I can't, I can't do something or "I'm, I'm not feeling good. You know, I think you always try to be as powerful as you can be as a woman. Right. And you always try to go, you know, go in and, and, um, and, you know, be at the top of your game all the time and show you can, you can do anything and prove yourself over and over again. And, uh, so that, that night actually that I didn't finish the newscast was the first time I'd ever gotten off the set you know, not well and had not finished the newscast. And I thought, oh my gosh. And No, my fear was I wasn't gonna be able to do my job because I couldn't read. So when I think about all the women that I've spoken to that have hidden their symptoms in a board meeting, been afraid to say something because they were in a meeting of of men and women that they didn't feel comfortable talking in front of. It wasn't, it's not just the men that were not comfortable talking in front of. Oftentimes it's, it's other women too. You know, we, this has not been a conversation that has felt like a safe zone. Right. And, um, so I, I think that that's the part that, you know, we have to change. So when we talk about normalizing the conversation, I really think it's about the fact that menopause is not a dirty word, and it's a transition, and it doesn't mean that you're in a weakened state or you're less than or you're not able to accomplish something you were able to accomplish twenty years ago. Um, it's the same thing that goes with being older. Older doesn't mean weaker or less than. And I think that those are the the words that often get associated with things like that. So I I uh, appreciate what you have done because it's so important for women to have that message reiterated over and over
0: again. Absolutely. Tamsin, the other thing that we have noticed is that, you know, even if women own up to it, I think it's a it's very important for the family or the support system to sort of say it's okay, we're there for you. So we do a lot of consultations with the spouses, for example, with the partners, with the children, sometimes to empower them, you know, and explain to them that what your wife is going through or what your mom is going through is maybe normal, but You know, she can, she doesn't need to suffer, you know, and especially not suffer silently and alone. She needs that, she needs that sisterhood. She needs that village to support her in this journey. Um, A couple of uh, instances, you know, where you probably had conversations with male colleagues or, uh, you know, with younger kids who've uh, who've not understood that. You mentioned that you didn't know when your mom was going through menopause, right? right? And I could say that despite being from a gynecologist's family, where puberty was spoken about very openly, you know, pregnancy was spoken about Mm -hmm. very openly. Sexual health was discussed, you know, on uh, on a dinner table conversation, but menopause wasn't. So when my mom was going through menopause, the kids didn't know about Mm -hmm. it. Uh, My dad's a gynecologist. I think he supported her in whichever way he he could, but the village didn't come together to make this woman feel better. So, what is your experience
1: with uh, men, and how do you think they can support you? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because I agree with you. I think it has to be everybody that is aware of it. You know, I was, I was uh, talking to somebody who today who was um, sharing a story about, uh, you know, some male colleagues she had that brought it to her attention that you know her disposition had changed during this time. And I thought it was a really great story that was shared with me. And I thought I don't, I don't know how many men would be, or co-workers even would be bold enough or brave enough to say something or not feel like somebody would take offense to it. But, but, you know, I think it's really important. I, I think it's, um I think it's important for children, first of all, because, you know, um, your mood can be, can change how you feel can change. And I think that if, if kids or especially, uh, you know, partners um, are kept in the dark about it, they feel very confused and lost too. But, You know, I never want to say, well, it's up to us to tell them. It is in part, but I don't want to put the blame, you know, put put all the pressure on us to do that because sometimes we don't know. We haven't had the information. We didn't realize what we were going through. But I think if we're educated as a society, then I think that that's the most important thing. I mean, imagine that we're excited about the fact here in the U.S. that there was a commercial that said the word hot flash and menopause. I've never seen that before. Now I'm noticing Mm -hmm. it more and more in different television shows than I had before. It seems to be cropping up a little The people are kind of like tiptoeing in there, but you're right. It has to be a, it has to be a, um, a complete education so that that word is not like she's a menopause because that's the problem. When we're whispering something Mm -hmm. like that, you would never say like, she's pregnant. You would never say that. And I think that that's Mm the, you know, that that's the the kind of distinction that we have to have and uh, it's going to take time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think this change or the shift has happened in the last few years? I mean, yeah. for decades,
1: we've been doing this. I, you know, it's so funny. I, I, I think there's a million reasons for it. You know, and some people say like, well, it's a pandemic. We were able to talk more and, and that could be it or focus more on it. Um, You know, I, I don't know. I, I think that in a lot of ways we were during that, those two years, because they were just so unknown to the world that maybe we had more time to see what was going on with us, right? Maybe before we were running and gunning and going and going to work and, you know, you were maybe confusing some of your symptoms with anxiety or depression or, you know, so that could be one part of it. The other part of it, I, I often think that, you know, I think that the younger generation for me anyway, has allowed me to feel safe Talking out loud, and mm-hmm. um, these are not things I would have ever. I didn't even talk about my own mother and her, you know, situation. Everyone knew that you know I was a, I had been a big breast cancer um, awareness advocate for a long time because of my mother, but I didn't go into detail about any of that. In honesty, I didn't even remember that she mm-hmm. had gone through some of it. I had to had to really think back and go, oh my gosh, I remember she'd be sweating and like throwing water on herself because she was going through through menopause. So I feel like that the younger generation that's, you know, coming um, after us has allow, encouraged me anyway to be able to feel a little safer talking about things that I might not have.
0: Yeah, beautiful. I mean, I, I honestly didn't, never uh, thought about it that way, Tamsin. You know, the, I think just giving us space to be confident within, you know, mm-hmm. our skin and uh, talking about it is very, very important. Um, in India, we've also noticed that with financial independence of the woman, you know, there are many more women in their late 30s, 40s sure. and 50s uh, working and i think that's also brought in this concept of hey i i can't put up with these symptoms anymore yeah. you know i want to talk about it and solve for them i want to alleviate my pain that's so a that's, good point. That's, that's a good really point it. and of course the and uh, and the support from uh, our children, if I may, uh, you know, our, our supporting partners um, and of course the wor- the ecosystem in terms of corporates leaning in and saying, hey, we gave you maternity leave. And by the way, in India, we have six months wow. maternity leave <laughs> by the government. That's so right. Good time for us to have yeah. some time with our babies. Uh, but I think we also need that support mm-hmm. for menopause, like. Uh, you know, allowing uh, or actually giving menopause leads, ensuring that you're able to have conversations with your fellow co-workers. I think is very, very important. Tamzin, we have some interesting sure. questions for you and would like to see, you know, how quirky sure. you can get. Um, so we always believe that menopause is an interesting aspect in our lives. You know, uh, it's not a choice. 100% women go through menopause. It's not like pregnancy mm-hmm. where you choose to get pregnant. So um, if menopause was a character in a movie, then what would it be? Oh gosh, what kind
1: of character (laughs) would it be? Um, I don't know. I think it would be like the Tasmanian devil, like always hot and spinning around. That's kind of how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and if it was a person for you, I mean, is there someone that you would, you you think represents menopause? I mean, some personality
1: would be a specific actress. An, act, an actress yeah oh gosh actress. I you know I always think of Samantha in sex in the city because she was always hot all the time she was the one oh. person I remember talking about it all the time that's who I think it would be Kim Cattrall <laughs> absolutely yeah now that I think about it
0: yeah. she, she fits the mm-hmm. bill really well <laughs> I'm saying, um, you know, very less is spoken about, uh, lack of libido uh, sure. in this age group. Yeah. I mean, um, I think women specifically go through a lot. We're not able mm-hmm. to speak to our partners about this. There's an added pressure of, you know, uh, being a certain way. Um, what are your thoughts about it? How do
1: you think we can break those, you know, taboos? Yeah. Or, uh, I, you know, I think yeah. it's a tough one. I, I got married at 50 years old, so I am very aware of, you know, I have menopause and being a bride at the same time. I, and so those are, those are, Two uh conflicting thoughts, right, but um, I, you know I think it's something where you really have to have a conversation about it, and in fact, it's something that I've been reading a lot more about like I think you always think like I know how to do that, but I think in this stage in our lives, we have to feel more comfortable having that conversation openly and honestly and not um, not make our partners think like how do you not just figure it out as you go? Like, I actually think it has to be something that is very, uh, you know, is very thought about and is very, um, a conversation. Like if you're, if you're, if you have a libido and you're talking about libido, but you can't have a conversation about libido, that's odd, right? But that's the way it's been for a long time. So I think those kind of conversations are really important to have. Right. And that's, you know, both partners being willing to talk about that and not feel insulted or feel like, because, you know, or, you know, how how we, you know, there, there's things that change, like, you know, uh, being dry and having painful sex, like, that's not fun. And they have to understand what that means. It's not just something we're saying. It, it's like, what it really means
0: that's right that's right and I think like you said the first thing is having that conversation what you also I would also love to know your thoughts about you know actually making the lady feel more confident about herself yeah. I think this is the age when uh, you know we women are going through sure. some bodily changes we're not you know we're not as active as we were probably earlier um, what have your experiences been in terms of just getting women to rebuild their self-confidence because you know it's years that they've built those skills they we've We've built yeah. maturity along with vulnerability, you know? But how do you endure, how do you make the woman feel self-confident, self-reliant, and yet be a part of yeah, other going That's really a good point because
1: I, I don't think you can separate those two things, mid- midlife, menopause, finding meaning at this point. Cause all those things kind of change a little bit, right? And um, you know, what I've noticed, what has worked for me in particular, and then I've tried to share this in a lot of the videos, is um you know, I, I focus on one or two little things that make me feel more comfortable. You know, I do a lot of yoga. It's where I, I, I have some time to think and I have some, some time to process. So for me that's confident building. You know, if I can start my day or do that in the middle of the day, that's confident building and I encourage people to find something that makes them feel successful, right? Whatever that might be, whether it's going for a walk, going for a run, writing in a journal, whatever it is, it makes them feel successful because that success builds confidence in someone's mind. I also think Mm. that the comparison game is a really, really difficult thing. And I think that it's almost impossible to avoid, but to be aware of it is really, really important. And that's what I try to do. I try to really be aware of that comparison game because if we sit on social media, we're scrolling past somebody who's 25, somebody who's 55, somebody who's 22, somebody who's 75, you know, and it is, it's very, we don't distinguish that anymore, right? So we, we look at somebody, we're like, oh, her cheekbones look better or her hair looks softer, or, her lips look fuller. You know, and we just subconsciously do that. And I think we have to be aware of what we're doing. And I've noticed in my feed, what I've tried to do anyway is, um, be aware of who I'm following. And so who's popping up in front of my face all the time and then being aware of who they are, that I'm not going to be able to compare myself to every single person. And I think that's helped build confidence in me. And then finally, um, doing something that has some meaning, you know, we've spent 20, 30 years building a career and, and trying to be successful at it. And sometimes we find at the end of it, we want something else. So I think whatever that something else is, that meaning thing is very, very important to uh, take some time to learn. And that'll build confidence. You know, um, We can't find that outside of ourselves. We have to find that inside of ourselves. We can't ask somebody to give it to us. And so those are three of the th- ways that I found work for me.
0: Well, such a beautiful thought, uh, Tamsin. Thank you oh, thank so you. much for sharing this I mean, this is not, uh, it's not, I think the audience I'm sure is inspired by these, you know, three pieces of advice, but I'm personally taking away a lot from this conversation because we're always faced with these, you know, conflicts in our mind. And like you rightly said, it's it, it, <clears this throat> is not external to us. It has to come from within. It also comes from a deep purpose, you know, uh, that we're sort of running for. Tamsin, as we come towards the end of our conversation, I have three questions that I'd like to ask you. The first one is, if there's one word that describes Sain, what would it be?
1: Just one word.
0: Curious. Curious. Excellent. Excellent. And that's why I think there's a lot of curiosity around, you know, what you're building and probably you're enticing that interest from others too. The other question I have is we typically ask our guests to give three pieces of advice for
1: midlife women. So if there's any, uh, yes, I would say, um, live your someday today. Don't wait to do something tomorrow. I would say, um, you know, be bold in your endeavors. Like there's no, you don't get any other chance. And, um, you know, I, I think that, that what's really important is to, um, really care about what you're doing, you know, like be in that moment with what you're doing. And if you decide you don't like something, you don't have to do it. It's just not worth it. Like we, this is the only time we're getting into wasting time doing something that you really don't care about. We don't have that time. (laughs) Excellent. And five things that you think you need to live your life to the fullest. Five things. uh, I think you need healthy relationships. I think you need a confident to talk to in this stage of life and to really be able to be honest with, Um, I think you need to um, take uh, one hour at least for yourself every single day. Um, I don't live without my neck fan. (laughs) I have a fan that goes around my neck at all times. Uh, And, um, you know, I I, I think you have to have confidence in yourself. I think you have to be confident that you are making the right decision. And if you're in a place that you don't feel Safe, or you don't feel good, you have to be confident that you can get to somewhere else to get to the other side.
0: Excellent, thank you thank so you. much, Thamsein, for this wonderful conversation. It was a pleasure having you here.
1: Thank you so much, thank you so much for everything you're doing.